Hello there, friends. I'm your host, Kendra Winchester, and this is Read Appalachia, a podcast celebrating Appalachian literature and writing. And this is episode 11, which is the second installment of our Poetry Corner series. Uh, And today I'm talking to Lucian Darjun Meadows. Uh, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you for having me on this podcast. I am delighted to be here. Well, I I read your poetry collection, and we were talking a little bit before how I've barely given my copy away, and I will need to go buy another one, which I feel like when you're giving a poetry collection to other people, that's always a good sign. Well, it is. There are books that I dearly love, and I have lost track of how many copies I've bought because I can't seem to hold on to them before I give them away to a dear friend. Best recommendation, you know? Um, Well, I thought we could start by just having you introduce yourself and your poetry collection and and go from there. Wonderful. Well, I'm delighted to be coming in to you all from the ancestral homelands of the Arapaho, Cheyenne, and Ute peoples here in northern Colorado, but I am born in Virginia and was raised in West Virginia, and that is where my poetry and my work and my art always takes me. That is and will always be home to me. And I'm thrilled to have my debut poetry collection, In the Hands of the River, published by the wonderful Hub City Press. Just last year, in September 2022, we're coming up to its one-year birthday, and I'm delighted to have this chance to talk about that book and poetry with y'all today. It's it's a beautiful collection. I, I am, as always, am biased, but I love Hub City Press and the work that they put out. They, I just feel like they don't miss. They do such a great job, and they're really uh, embracing Southern and Appalachian poetry. What is it like for you to be writing poetry in that literary space? It's exciting and challenging. When I left, the East when I left Appalachia to go to Illinois for graduate school in poetry, I quickly realized that I might become categorized as a Southern writer, as an Appalachian writer, and I was the only such writer in my cohort, which was a very different place to be than where I had been earlier writing. I'm so grateful, though, to be part of Appalachian poetry and writing more broadly. During this time, I feel like every year there are more and more exciting collections coming out that I have to read and I have to share and that are getting attention within and also beyond the Appalachian reading community, which is exciting to me. Southern and Appalachian literature, especially, are just having a moment, and I hope that moment just extends into an existence of people loving and appreciating um, Appalachian literature. And, you know, Appalachia has a very long poetry tradition. I think some people who aren't familiar with the region and its literature are kind of surprised there's so much poetry here. Is that something that you have found while you've been writing poetry in other parts of the country? I have 
I wasn't raised in a household that did much with poetry. It's a bit of a mystery to me, actually, how I fell into writing poetry, although I did so very early. I think one of my first poems I was writing to my cat, and I remember I was so young, I was pedaling a bicycle with training wheels as I was reciting this work out loud. But my family was always very into song and music, and I feel like that helped slide me toward poetry, and particularly formal poetry, although I break and queer those forms all over in this collection. But that attention to the rhythm and the meter and the repetition of sound, I think that connects me to this musical legacy that I'm a bit more familiar with and that does seem to reach back in so many diverse and different ways across, for example, strands of my German-American ancestors, of my Cherokee ancestors, and others as well in different ways. That's something truly special about the region's poetry. And I always love hearing people's origin stories. So I feel like an ode to a cat is the perfect (laughs) origin story for a poet. Uh, I can't think of a better one, honestly. Well, uh, this, this is a poetry reading series. So I thought we could jump into some poems. Um, So I'm excited to hear what you've selected today. So uh, I'll just give you the floor. You can take it away. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. So I'd like to share four poems with you all today from In the Hands of the River. And as I was organizing what poems to share, they fell pretty sequentially across the collection, one from the beginning and a few from later on. But it's important to me in my writing always to honor and acknowledge the lands with whom I'm writing with whom I'm relating and related. So this first poem, Monagalia County, West Virginia, is to the county who raised me. It's love, but it's also a bit of loss. So, Monagalia County, West Virginia. Red dirt never washes away. Blue hills pocked by long gray scars from mines and slurry pools, trembling always over someone's home, some hollers elementary school, green rivers, blue, brown rivers all running toward the old new, their deep gorge in autumn filled with so many red fingers pressed to the sky like a revival, each candle lit by boys, hoping to never be kissed. Snowshoes out of dinner pails, that Appalachian frugality, making something out of nothing because our fathers took these mountains and turned into nothing. Coats filled with leaves, each stone a home cracked open. We are always searching for light and finding a hoofprint, a heartbeat, 
the moment a hill disappears and the tunnels of your blood vibrate a golden song just a little too late. There's so much complexity to the space who raised me, as probably any of us could say about the places who raised us. But in this next poem, When There Is Nothing to Eat, I tried in this poem to stay with those challenging moments, to not look away, to acknowledge them in their strangeness and hardness, but also maybe a bit of beauty, too. When there is nothing to eat. I am in the fridge again as mother crushes the nut for you into her white roads on her empty plate. These nights, home becomes the constant threat of an electric chair, other mothers' faces pulled into screams. Our TV plays the trials, nothing else. I keep finding apple seeds in my hair. I keep twisting wire from the old horse fence tighter around my wrists. I am grieving my father, coal-crusted boots, the sickening lift when I run down the mountain too fast, when I see a boy and think of kneeling. In the living room, the night screams begin. Here in the fridge, I lay my head beside a black cabbage and bite my tongue until it bleeds. I watch my blood fall on the shelves, the weeks old meat, Dappling all red and white, like the fox in snow mother ran over a few days ago. Bleeding in the road, his hind legs broken, he lifted his head and brayed as she reversed the truck, ran him over again, forward and back again, turning up the radio. Driving home, she laughed, smiled. There's nothing else we can do. That commitment to persisting, to staying there, regardless, is something I'm working with and through across the book. And these last few poems I'd like to share, they're both sonnets, a very short poetic form, just 14 lines, has a long complex history. This first one I'll share, Violet, was written my very first spring in Colorado, and at last we had a day of rain, and I realized with that rain just how very deeply I missed home. Violet. Cloud. Birdfoot. Common blue. Blush in your sex. Bruise on my chin, chalk dust and moth wings. Quiet under sycamore, my face pressed to bark. Squish of toes in spring mud, stillness after. River rising beside, we hear the call. More silence than whisper, smell of first rain. Never leaving my palms, tongue. We love 
like no other blooming. Never trillium, angel's trumpet, bee balm. First spring wind, new fuzz on your chin, slant of light, your long hair, if only to hold hands, walking down the dirt road, somewhere a deeper shade of blue. Backs of your knees, cup like petals, filled with salt. These long nights of rain, what thirst. Part of the form of a sonnet is that you go for a little while in a situation and then there's a turn, an unexpected turn, and that changes everything that came before. So this final poem, Cleave, is like the turn to Violet. It's immediately after Violet in the book. Cleave. The summer, everything changed. I walked out past the field, into the forest, toward the cleft in the hill, on the darker side of the river. Our entire house could fit into this swollen gap no father or grandfather could explain. Sitting on the edge, swinging my feet, I leaned back and fell, wrist deep, into the body of a deer, just a fawn, really, with no eyes. His mouth was open, his tongue black, swollen, vibrating with flies. My hand in his stomach, I looked up, up, past the sycamores, toward the sun, clotted by cloud. I did not do this but my hand was inside him, and only the rustling of darkness over the trees brought me to my feet. Thank you for listening to these poems. They are, are, are so stunning. I, I feel like the imagery is just right there. Um, and, and when you read, I feel like you've, you've captured this wistfulness that often I feel when I, when I read your poems. Uh, so they're beautiful. Thank you so much. There is always a bit of longing, a bit of reaching with them, I feel, and I'm grateful that that comes through for you. So this is a book podcast, and, and you've shared your poetry. And I always love to hear what, what poetry collections would you recommend? Oh, there are so many, but I don't want to keep <laughs> you all all day. So, yes, I'd have to recommend, and this will be already familiar with followers of your podcast, but Lisa Kwong's Becoming Appalachian, out from Glass Lear Press last year, 2022. I love how Lisa makes and she holds important space for BIPOC Appalachian poets and perspectives, and across that marvelous collection, there's such an embodied and sensory encounter with all of the joys and the traumas of growing up Appalachian. That is a book that I can say I have purchased multiple copies because I can't seem to hold on to it before I find another one who needs to read that book. But also I'd 
have to recommend Annie Woodford's Where You Come From Is Gone, also out last year from Mercer University Press and the winner of this year's Weatherford Award in Poetry. I was fascinated with this collection, how it's such a challenging look at Appalachian whiteness. It's complicated, it's troubling, it's still in my mind months later. I'm going to bring it into class, a classroom before too long, and I'm excited to learn what the students think of that. I also have to recommend, if I've got time for a couple more, Marlanda DeKine's Thresh and Hold, a Hub City Press sibling, and their gorgeous lyric description of being a queer person in the South. I returned to Marlanda's book so many times over revising and preparing River for publication to gain courage, gain sustenance. That book shows me something new every time. And last, I'd have to recommend this very new anthology coming out, Mid-South Sonnets, edited by C.T. Salazar and Casey Dodd from Bell Point Press. The sonnet is such a fascinating form to me how poets work its architecture, but also its content. And I love how this anthology of Southern writers work and rework and disrupt and expand these traditions in ways that are uniquely their own. Well, those sound amazing. Uh, I will make sure to link them in the show notes and folks can go find them. Thank you, Lucian, for coming on and reading your incredible poetry. I hope you have a lot more fans. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what you do next. Thank you so, so very much, Kendra, for inviting me on to Read Appalachia. I've been following the podcast for a while and to be invited to join you all is such an honor and such a thrill thank you so very much well friends that's our show a heartfelt thank you to lucian darjun meadows for coming on the show today you can find all of lucian's social media info linked in the show notes and you can find more info about read appalachia at readappalachia.com or you can find us across social media at read appalachia you can find me across social media at KD Winchester and make sure you join us next time for our special birthday episode of Read Appalachia. Until then, happy reading. <laughs>